Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on this Jerry Cox Company Music Friday. The theme is about second chances, and if any song talks about second chances, I believe it's this very song sung by one of my favorites, Elvis Presley. Are you feeling stressed? No, I'm not humming it. Pastor Danny would have something to say about that. I'm sure he's listening. Ready for that second cup of coffee? Reese Boy on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers right now. And joining us live in the studio from Saturday Morning Coffee, which airs here Saturday morning, 7 to 9, is uh, Love a Lawyer Day, Reese Boyd the third. Good morning. Good morning, Liz. I see RB4 love- on your cup. RB4 and oh! on my cup. I it's didn't a, see her on the other yeah, side. It wraps all the way, it wraps oh all the way around. Oh my gosh. Nick, you need one of these. Yeah. You're failing as a father if you don't have one of those. Well, uh, I think that's a snapfish. I love that. Is that Snapfish coffee mug. Yeah, that that is fantastic. I love it. So, Reese, um, you know. Man, what an intro. Yeah. We, we serve, amen, we serve a God of second chances. Isn't it, though? Um, isn't that the yeah. truth? Isn't that amazing? You know, a lot of people say, um, well, you know, if you talk about being forgiven for sin, then aren't you just giving people the right or the idea that, hey, I'll just sin now because uh, I'll be forgiven? Uh, that is certainly an option the apostle paul talks about that he says we're not supposed to use grace as a license so you know if you are mm-hmm. truly repentant about your sin you're the uh, you know the uh, the idea is that your heart will turn away from it if mm. you're if you are truly repentant right and you see the light as they say well you know in i don't know how it is in other churches but in catholic church you know you're supposed to fast before you go to church and mm-hmm. then you all say the act of contrition together so you confess your sins to your brothers and sisters and then you receive your communion and of course you are welcomed to come as often as you can to confession uh, with the priest to talk yeah. about it you know one on one and uh you know it, it, it was always the thing well well if i can sin all week and i yeah. go to church on <laughs> sunday and you know people say churches for sinners um and you know i mean i get it um but it is you know when you talk about it on the lar- you know zooming out talk about it on a larger scale yeah. um you know life 
is about second chances and we have to show other people grace. You know, they've talked about that. The cancel culture, um, this all plays into the whole concept of cancel culture. Amen. Yeah, we, we have to have grace for one another as to uh, to whom much has been forgiven. Uh, mm-hmm. Much is expected in yeah. the way of forgiveness. And absolutely, I think we lose sight of that. We all uh, are quick to uh, point the finger and, and uh, be very judgmental of one another in this day and age. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things, and I think there's a few songs about what you were talking about, about, you know, sinning, uh, sinning on the week and uh, heading to church on Sunday. There's, that, that'd be a music theme uh, for, for one of your Fridays. I think there's a few songs about yeah. that. But, uh, you know, one of the things, Liz, that, that my faith really helps me understand, you, you really understand the world when you realize that we are all sinners. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, and there is not one of us that is holy. Uh, there was one holy guy, one holy man, and 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 he was perfect and sinless, and they they nailed him to a cross. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, you know we're all sinners, and we have all we're all broken folk. And mm-hmm. so when you understand that about people, it it just helps you understand the, the the problems that we face in a broken world. And there's nothing that any of us have to brag about. You know we're all we're all sinners in front of a a broken, <clears throat> excuse me, in front of a holy, perfect, just God. Nothing that any of us have done is mm-hmm. worth talking about. You know, um, and so we, that forgiveness is all we have to lean on in, in, yeah. And hearing you talk about that, I was just thinking, I mean, talk about the ultimate, um, silencing campaign, the ultimate cancel culture, uh, what happened to Jesus Christ when he was nailed to the cross. They didn't like his message of hope, cancel culture, and joy yeah. and love of God and, um, forgiveness. And, and the fact that, you know, there is one person greater than all of you on yeah. earth. Um, they didn't like that. Message. Isn't that fascinating? I've Isn't never, that, ma- I've never made that we connection. Just brought that full circle. But that's exactly that cancel the, culture. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what, yeah. what brought about the crucifixion. They wanted to cancel him yeah, because he was a threat to the power structure. Mm-hmm. Pastor, they, da- Pastor Danny talked about that in one of his sermons. Exactly wow. that cancel culture. Wow. With mm-hmm. Jesus and back in the day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the, the original cancel culture story, obviously. Yeah. Amen. Um, and that can go true for probably most of the stories about saints. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yep. when you want John the Baptist's head on, on a platter and, and you know, uh, this the whole story about King Heron, right? Yeah, King Herod. Herod, right. Thank you. Um, and so all of these stories, when you really, really think about it, cancel culture has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, these stories that we we constantly tell and we share the history of all these stories is what actually should we should be learning from. And, and instead, it just seems to keep repeating itself. Someone comes with the right message at the right time, and it causes... Um, look at how Jesus Christ changed the world. Yeah. I mean... Amen. Uh, and so here you have a story that, uh, you know, of of all different types of people coming with uh, amazing messages. You know, like we were talking about Winsome Sears, the lieutenant governor in Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn Youngkin. Okay, people mm-hmm. that are coming with this positive message and winning, they're 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 we gain some. We 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 gain some. You know, I say on my show, I say on my show is that freedom is a stubborn thing. That's what we say. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love that. But I think, yeah. but I think what you're saying, and it's the same thing, is, and the Bible says this: light drives out darkness. Mm. That is so true. I mean, think about that. You can't you can't take yeah. a room full of light mm-hmm. and plunge darkness over it. No, you can't. Light in, in a contest between light and dark, light always wins. Yes. Dark is nothing but the absence of light. Right. And where light is, mm-hmm. the darkness is driven out. 
That's true. Even and, a little candle. Yeah. I, you know, I did that. Um, I did that with the kids one day uh, in my religious ed class. Mm-hmm. Shut all the lights off. Oh, yeah. And I just lit a little candle. A little candle. And all of a sudden, we could all see. And I was like, see, that's what you have to be. You have to be that light. Yeah. Like all the time. Amen. Because give you there, a ding for that. Yeah, because there is so much darkness that could encroach upon you. And, you know, um, I was going to talk about this um, thing, but I don't, I don't really know where to put it. Um, the Biden administration is working on legislation to combat the rising suicide rates. And I thought that was a noble cause um, because it is so great. But they said that most of them are caused by guns. And so they said, oh, it's the accessibility of guns. So now we're going to require every single store that sells guns to sell safety kits to go along with it. (laughs) It's like, what? What? And if a gun store does not sell what they're supposed to sell, the safety kits that go along with guns, then they're going to, there's zero tolerance. You will be heavily shut down, heavily punished, heavily fined. And I thought, well, if that's not a misguided way to combat suicide, I don't know what is. Uh, yeah. I mean, leave it. That doesn't change the person's mind to commit suicide. We're from the government and we're here to help, Liz. You know, talk about root causes. Go mm-hmm. to why, you know, why people are contemplating suicide. It's well, not It's not a sudden decision people make. No. It's something they've been thinking about a long time. Like, go to the psychology of suicide and and really combat it at yeah. the root. And I think you you also you have to look at I mean there's not it's not a one size fits all solution and it's certainly not all um it's not all by guns. You know, one one it's not funny, but it, it does make you chuckle. When you I remember when we were in San Francisco and you're crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. At least the last time we were there. I'm not sure what it is now, but there were phones every few yards along the bridge. Mm-hmm. You picked it up and it was Press one for tow truck assistance. Press two for suicide prevention. Yeah. So you don't have yeah. to have a gun to kill yourself. Right. You can go jump off a bridge. Gra- gravity will see... take care of life if that's your aim, you know? Exactly. And and uh, anytime you saw a sto- uh, like a stopped vehicle on the top of the bridge, it's yeah. not good. No, it's not good. Um, and so, you know, like you say, just because someone has a gun doesn't mean they're going to contemplate suicide. Oh, well, it just makes it easier because it's easily easily accessible. And most people commit suicide with a gun because they owned a gun or their family member owned a gun. But if it was locked up, we wouldn't have this problem of suicide. And and, and you also have to... (laughs) What? It's crazy. But you also have to look at the... Suicide is not a a, a single problem across all Mm -hmm. populations. You know, we've got one issue like with veterans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suicide has been on the rise among our veteran community lately. And that's government's failure of not addressing that. Yeah. And and that's one issue. Like teenage girls, Mm -hmm. suicide is on the rise. Social media. And that's a whole different issue. Mm -hmm. And so it really depends on who you're talking about. You've got different communities that are affected in different ways for different reasons. But instead of blaming reasons yeah why people come to contemplate it yeah and i and i really do feel we want to like take their guns away so they won't yeah the the whole addiction problem is another version i believe of of a slow incremental suicide yeah. where a person is self-medicating because they're trying to check out they and can't deal with their life. They can't deal with it, so Absolutely. they self-medicate yeah. it, yeah. and they become addicted to the feeling of checking out. 
And so whatever your your vice is, that becomes the way. And sometimes the vice is a good vice. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I run 12 miles a day because yeah. it helps me check out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people have addictive personalities. They can't, like, stop riding their bicycle for miles, um, you know, or they like to live on the edge, like maybe, you know, do something that's really kind of dangerous because it makes them focus on that only and they can check out of everything else, yeah. you know, jumping out of airplanes or riding your bike on the Hulk. It yeah. makes you check out because <laughs> makes you, you, check out. you can't think of anything else other yeah. than, you know, what surviving you're doing in that the, moment. the downward spiral that you're about to go down. So I'm just saying like, we, as a society, we, we use a lot of vices to check out, and some people, unfortunately, choose permanent ones. Yeah, yeah. But guns are not the root of that. No! no. So they're legislating guns and putting it's... the burden on gun store owners. So I was going to read the story, uh, you know, and share it with you, which I just did. But, I mean, like, before I said, well, let me see what they're going to do, because I know it can't be good. Yeah. They, they try and say, we're going we're gonna to stop suicide. It's we're going to lock up your guns. Yeah, it's cuckoo. <laughs> uh, we're better Crazy. off. With, we're better off without all this government help, Liz. That's when I was joking, as Ronald Reagan used to say, "I'm from the government and I'm here to help." Yeah. Nah, thanks, dude. We're all right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Reese Boyd, it's great to have you here. It's good to be with you. We'll talk more about what's on your mind when we come back. Cox Company's Music Friday. The theme is Second Chances on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Reese Boyd III is joining us in the studio. Lisa. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say Lisa the football mom ah. sent ah. that one in. A little mainstream for her. I know. Because usually she's yeah. got some, you know, di- different ones. She she's deep. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's a dig deep. Uh, a digger deeper. Was that Chicago? A, digger. a deeper digger. Deeper digger. A deeper digger. That's, that's it. Mm. <laughs> anyway. she, she has more nuanced taste. She does. Yes. Eclectic. Eclectic. Very good. <clears throat> so um, we were just talking about Dr. Fauci. We're talking about the vaccine mm-hmm. mandates. And we had uh, Governor Henry McMaster issue an executive order yesterday banning uh, vaccine mandates for state agencies, um, including the state's Department of Military Corrections and Public Safety. Uh, and he is calling it a preemptive strike against overreach by the Biden administration. But um, and that's the, you know, the vaccination policies. For federal employees, but because we know that now Biden said that he's extending it until January 4th for 100 or more employees. Uh, It's all very convoluted. But the bottom line is, is there are a lot of private employers that are getting on the bandwagon ahead of time so that they can figure out if they have to fill spots in their uh, staffing or not before those mandates actually come into play. So, I mean, I understand they're trying to, you know, kind of fix it up. So that when the mandate drops from uh, Joe Biden's administration or the Brandon administration, we'll find out at that point um, whether or not the businesses were prepared. 
Yeah, and well, business has been moving, Liz, even when Biden just said, I think this is what we're going to do. They have to. They yeah. have to weed out the unvaxxed. Yeah. Say you're either in or you're out. Yeah. Decide now, gonna... because when the gavel drops, you're fired. And yeah. I don't want to be left with, you know, 30 vacancies, 100 vacancies. They don't want to pay $14,000 per occurrence. It's it's really astonishing how quickly we have moved, if you think about it, mm-hmm. and and how and, and where this is going, because this isn't going to stop here. Liz, they're, they're, if they can get away with this, there will be mandates for children to oh, enter school. Coming. I mean, it it's, will be. It, it won't my be favorite long. Words, it's coming. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going to stop just with this mandate a- applicable to federal contracting mm-hmm. companies. Uh, we were ma- we were worried about mask mandates. Yeah, boy, were we? <laughs> that seems kind of silly now. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Give me I, my mask. Pass me my mask, dude. No, I'm not. I'm not going there. I know, Do I'm not kidding. comply. I'm that's, that's all yeah. of it. Do not comply. Nobody. They can't arrest everybody. I'm sorry. They can't. They can't shut down everybody in the entire country. They cannot. I love this meme of the day so far. Mm-hmm. I got to share it with you. America. This is a quote. America is at that awkward stage where it's too late to work within the system, but it's too early to shoot the bastards. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, we that's, are. We that's are from in Claire, that. Claire Wolf, by the way, said that we are in that awkward stage, and I. Frankly, I've asked this question on my show. Sometimes you think your tendency is to wonder if they actually want a revolution. I mean, it's... Oh, I've been saying they've been poking the bear, poking the bear, poking the bear. And then they go, you know, they point to January 6th and go, see, see, they're unhinged. They're crazy. They want to kill us. We told you these guys were domestic terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at what they did to Joe Manchin. That's their own people standing in front of his car. The guy can't even drive away from... Anything. Yeah. They were all over his car because of what? Climate change. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. The existential threat. Jeez. Did you know the uh, the last cold season in Antarctica was the coldest on record? Really? Yeah. Shh. Facts. Shh. Don't say that. Don't <laughs> they say that. Hate Shh. They hate facts. Aye, aye, aye. Well, you know, I, I, was, uh, I, I have to play this for you because this cracked me up. Um, it's a minute long. This is Colin Kaepernick. He has this Netflix series. Oh, oh boy. Um, yeah. L- listen listen to this, and you tell me what is his point, what is his goal, what is his point with this entire, like, conversation. There have been some very popular TV shows starring black people. These shows share archetypal black characters, including social outcasts who assimilate or conform, like Carlton Banks. White people love these dudes. Everything from the way they dress, way they talk. You're our man. Even the way they dance. It's also James Spurlock, we call him two for because with him you get a two for one. He's a black guy and a Harvard guy. These characters have come to be known by the term acceptable Negro. The acceptable Negro is a black character who inhabits white characteristics. Who makes white people feel comfortable. The acceptable Negro is a white man's creation. Thing is, white people don't get to decide who's acceptable to us. Over the years. Is that crazy? Uh, You know, that reminds me, Liz, Mm -hmm. uh, of a contest between uh, political parties in Virginia recently where mm-hmm. we had a white guy running on a platform of anti-racism <laughs> uh, claiming that parents have no say over whether schools fill their kids heads with uh, critical race theory and mm-hmm. other nonsense uh, and and claiming that the only problem is that if you're white 
you're a white supremacist by definition and that we just have to stamp all that out and we'll be much better off. Meanwhile, the GOP was busy electing the first female African-American as a lieutenant governor in a statewide uh, spot yeah. in Virginia. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. I mean, what kind of drivel is that? I mean, yeah. Well, I've been asking uh, this one question that what is critical race theory? Um, and I heard you on your show a couple of weeks ago really delving deep into that topic and say, well, it's, you know, this critical look at race um, and looking through it from a different lens. And, and then I was I started thinking more about it and thinking, well, is there an actual curriculum? And then we heard that, you know, Mer- Merrick Gar- um, what's his name? Merrick Garland? Yeah. Yep. Son-in-law. D- mm-hmm. Was he the DA- attorney general, district attorney general? Whatever. Attorney General. General General, thank you. Um, and he um, was talking about, uh, you know, about lots of things while sitting there. But but what was getting pointed out was that his son-in-law is a person that runs some kind of curriculum or sells the textbooks or textbooks, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I said, well, there, is there an actual critical race theory textbook? But um, a lot of people say it's just teachers kind of putting their spin on things. You don't need to have a curriculum for it. And we found this soundbite um, from a teacher and it was like, there, there you have it. It's Tony Kinnett. He is a teacher in Indiana and he has gone on the record and Britt Hume retweeted his thread Here's the first video in his thread. It's all you need to know. Listen. I'm the science coach and admin in the largest public school district in Indiana. I'm in dozens of classrooms a week, so I see exactly what we're teaching our students. When we tell you that schools aren't teaching critical race theory, that it's nowhere in our standards, that's misdirection. We don't have the quotes and theories as state standards, per se. We do have critical race theory in how we teach. We tell our teachers to treat students differently based on color. We tell our students that every problem is a result of white men and that everything Western civilization built is racist. Capitalism as a tool of white supremacy. Those are straight out of Kimberly Crenshaw's main points, verbatim, in Critical Race Theory, the writings that formed the movement. This is in math, history, science, English, the arts, and it's not slowing down. If students of color have lower reading scores, it's because of inequity. Therefore, we take from the white students and give to the color students. That's Richard Delgado, straight out of CRT and Introduction. All teaching is political, with reality and facts taking the back seat. That's Dr. Gloria Ladson-Billings, who outlined how she saw critical race theory flushed out in public schools in 1995. When schools tell you that we aren't teaching critical race theory, it means one thing. Go away and look into our affairs no further. It isn't about transparency. It isn't about cultural relevance. It's race essentialism painted to look like the district cares about students of color. We call it anti-racism, so you feel bad if you disagree with our segregationist pedagogy. It's taking advantage of kids' vulnerability and parents' inactivity to preen over social snake oil schemes designed to create division. Parents, when we tell you critical race theory isn't taught in our schools, we're lying. Keep looking. Hmm. Wow. How about that? Kind of eye-opening. I'm not going to play this whole thing, but just small example. Small example. Media supercut. Dan Bongino put these together. Uh, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's a job? good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to look into that. But just listen, just a little bit. Listen to this. Glenn Youngkin played the race card for a reason because he knows it works on certain white voters. He did stoke white grievance politics to mobilize a Republican base. He's laundered Trump's really sort of disgusting, flagrant out-racism. Yeah. He's wrapped it in education. Yep. Education, right. education, which is code for 
White parents don't like the Okay, idea. this goes on for three minutes. Oh, you uh, get the point. Yeah. It's all these, and you wouldn't believe it gets worse as it goes on. The oh, point sure. is that it's yeah. it's nonstop. They claim somewhere in there, I think it's Joy Reid, one of her, I can't remember which wig she's wearing at the time, because that will determine the day of the week. Yeah. What, what she said was, they keep playing the race card, and it's sickening. And I'm thinking, I, this is going to sound racist, but pot, kettle black? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, if anybody played the race card in that election, it was Terry McCollum, mm-hmm. based on... You know, if you want to look at what they said, I mean, Terry McAuliffe is the guy that said the only problem we have here is uh, white supremacy. The only thing that we have to fear is 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 the racism of white people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically. Yeah. And it's kind of like the whole Black Lives Matter thing where uh, they call it Black Lives Matter. So when you say, well, I'm against Black Lives Matter, not not that the fact that Black Lives Matter, of course, Black Lives Matter, but I'm against BLM, you know, and they make it the name. They call it anti-racist, and you're like, well, I'm against anti-racism. Oh, see? You're a racist. You must be a racist. And they do it on purpose. They name these things uh, so that you cannot say you're against it. Well, I'm not against the concept that Black Lives Matter. I'm against the organization Black Lives Matter and what they teach, which is Marxism. Um, And and it doesn't matter. If you say you're anti-BLM... You are racist. Yeah. Hold on. Some Republican candidates are perfectly still going. willing to use race as a motivating factor for their base. That <laughs> yeah, because it's a dog it's a motiv- whistle. It's a dog whistle. That's all we heard yesterday. Racist it was dog a, whistle. It was a dog whistle. Here's the deputy uh, press secretary talking about uh, race being a driving issue in uh, the election this week. Was a driving issue in Virginia and around the country. Uh, given Republicans repeatedly focusing on critical race theory. So, look, America, as you heard the president say before, is a great country, uh, and uh, and great countries are honest, right? They have to be honest with themselves about the history, which is good and and the bad. And our kids should be proud to be Americans after learning that history. Uh, the president certainly certainly is. Uh, fundamentally, we believe a school's curriculum isn't a federal decision. It's rightly up to communities around the country, the parents, the school, uh, the school board, the teachers, and the administrators. And that means that politicians should be dict- dictating, should not be uh, dictating what our kids are being taught. But we also need to be honest here uh, about what's going on here. Republicans are lying. They're not being honest. They're not being truthful about where we stand. And they're, and they're cynically trying to use our kids as a political football. They're talking about our kids when it's, when it's election season, but they won't vote for, for them when it matters. You know, Republicans did not vote for the American Rescue Plan. It's unbelievable uh, that they're saying that we're throwing around race. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I would say to that, uh, liberal politicians will tell you politicians, they don't want politicians to control what our kids are taught because liberal academia is already controlled by progressives. Mm -hmm. They have control of liberal academia. So if, if other outside forces don't bring the state there to bear you know to heal uh, they're going to fill your kids up with exactly what they believe a lot of that got exposed with um, at home learning yeah <laughs> so. it, it was uh it was a learning experience for parents when teachers were saying well i don't want uh parents uh spying on us as we are teaching their children because then i won't be able to speak freely that's why they're so mad. They got caught. Yeah, they got. They just got caught. You know, one thing yeah. I wanted to say, Liz, we, we skipped over it a little bit, but you were talking about the McMaster executive order. Mm. It's a long executive order. He goes into a lot of detail. 
But uh, one thing you've talked about this, and I think the governor also needs to do, I think he needs to call a special session, you know, because the governor in South Carolina has limited authority. Mm-hmm. And I think he needs to call a special session to to make the terms of that executive order statute. Yeah. You know, Otherwise, to, they're not going to hold up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you've talked about that. You've talked about that. Well, with I Lieutenant keep asking, governor. how do we do it? Uh, well, he's got to call a special session. He's got to get him she back. She said he has no power to do that. Well, I think he can. That's. I, I mean, I, put pressure. I said at least. Yeah. Talk about it at least. We're not even getting that. He it, still didn't mention it. It has always been my understanding in South Carolina, and I used to work for the governor, that the governor has the authority to call the special uh, a special session of the General Assembly for particular purposes. They said purposes. they signed a sign, a sign and die. They can't call a special session for okay. talking about this. All right. well, yeah. That's what she said, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was just going to say. Wait a minute. That's they not signed what we were a, told. And, and State Representative Russell Fry told us they signed a sign and die also. And I didn't know what a sign and die meant. But sign and die. Sign and die. Sign and die. It means uh, without day. Okay. Means that session's over. Session's over. But it was, and I, I missed that discussion. I could be I don't wrong. Know what it is? But it has, it's been a while since I looked at it. But it was my understanding that the governor in South Carolina, I think, the unless statu- he, unless there's a an emergency, well, order. If everybody is out of work because they don't want to go get a jab that they don't want, isn't that sort of an no, emergency? No, the lieutenant governor said there's a hundred thousand jobs available. Yes. Just oh, go get yes. another one. Oh, yes. I forgot. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. So it's not an emergency. No, it is. Duh. Right. We'll yeah. be back. Oh, we're going to take a break. Oh, Reese Boyd, thank you for coming. Hey, I enjoyed at the it. end of the session. It's always good to be with y'all. Y'all have a great weekend. Time is flying Time when you have fun. flying by. Tune in this week for Saturday Morning Coffee. <laughs> and if you have a question about losing your job because of a vaccine mandate. We're, we, we are getting lots of calls, and yes, we are helping people. And it is, I mean, Liz, this is a big moment for us. You either roll over. This is good. This is one of those moments that separates the people who are the sheep who just mm-hmm. roll over yeah. and the people who say, no, freedom is important. Autonomy is important. You're messing with kids' uh, kids' lives with the jab, and now you're talking about uh, people's livelihoods. And I would just say this. Those who roll over today, who knows what they'll be asking you to do tomorrow. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.